Let's look at our gospel lesson today, if you will, in your, your service bulletin. <clears throat> at the very end of our gospel lesson, chapter uh, verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that who, everyone who believes in him, whosoever believes in him, may not perish but have eternal life life. Today's lesson from the Gospel of John, I believe, is the heart of the Gospel message. Uh, there are people that have never stepped foot in a church, that have never uh, heard the Gospel proclaimed, that have never met a Christian that know John 316. I'm looking out in the crowd and there's a handful of you all, not many, it's good that y'all are so young, but that are as old as I am, that will remember the guy with the multicolored wig that went to all the sports events and just held up the sign, John 316. You'd see him in the end zone at football games. He'd be on the 17th hole at the Masters golf tournament. He would be at baseball games. It was his ministry. He just traveled around and just held that up and he would get a seat where he knew he would be on camera. John 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. So what I want us to do today for just a few minutes is actually break down this particular verse of scripture into three parts. Um, because as Anglicans, we are in the season of Lent, which is that season of preparation where Jesus is headed to the cross uh, and... and uh, we can't really fully appreciate the joy of the resurrection and, and Easter Sunday unless we go through uh, the Last Supper on Monday, Thursday, unless we go to the cross with Jesus on Good Friday. So, so Lent is about, in some cases, uh, struggling uh, to come to terms with who God is and who we are as, as God's people um, so I think John 3.16 is a good place to start. So I just want to break it down into the three parts because um, I truly believe it contains the core of the gospel message. So the first part, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Uh, I think when we think about this, our first inclination is to feel great about it. God loves the world. God loves everybody. But then as we get going in it, uh, I think it's, it's difficult for me uh, because I am a first child control freak type A person. And the, the, the hard part of this first part of the gospel is it doesn't start with Ken Weldon. It says, for God, dun, 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 dun. And, and if I'm honest with myself, the world that I live in doesn't nearly start with for God most of the time. It starts with for Ken Weldon needs this, for Ken Weldon wants this. And maybe you're like me and find yourself, I think most of us, if we're honest, we get in the way of God because we want it to be about us. And uh, this is a difficult thing, but it's important for us to remember that the gospel 
the love that God has for us is not instigated by us. It is instigated by God. He is the primary mover. Uh, in the very beginning of the book of Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God. And then it goes with the story. Um, for most of us, I think, if we're honest with ourselves, when we start each day, it's in the beginning, Ken. In the beginning, Seth. In the beginning, Bob. In the beginning, Mary. And, and, and this causes us to shift our thinking outside of ourself. The gospel does not come from us or what we do. It initiates out of God's overwhelming love for us. And it is critical for us to remember this. All of this, all of it, comes from God's heart for us. God so loved the world. God's heart, brothers and sisters, is for us, for you and me personally, not just sort of metaphorically and not just generally, but personally, just as you have a heart for your spouse, you have a heart for your child, you have a heart for your friend, you have a heart for your mom or your dad. Personally, God has a heart for us individually and personally. Uh, God does this, not us. Um, in the epistle from Paul to the Ephesians, Paul writes, uh, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. I love that verse, and it's something that I need to be reminded of all the time. By grace, God's grace, you have been saved through faith, and that's the faith that the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts to turn us toward God. Uh, but then Paul reminds the Ephesians, this is not your own doing. It's important for us, particularly during the season of Lent, to remember that this is not our own doing, any of it. Our, our salvation is not our own doing. It all starts and ends with God. And now to the second part of John 3.16. For God so loved the world, part two, that he gave his only son. Uh, God's love for us is so great that he gives us his only son, Jesus Christ. And this is the heart of Lent. If we are to wrestle with our own mortality during the season of Lent, then we necessarily have to wrestle with the reality of sin in the world and the reality of the sin in our own lives. And we must come to terms with the fact that we cannot fix the problem. We need a rescuer from the outside and that rescuer is Jesus. And the cost of that rescue is his death and sacrifice on the cross. And God knew that the penalty for sin must be paid and it is paid by Jesus on the cross. This is the love that the father has for us that he sends his only son, Jesus. Scripture tells us in 1 Timothy, this is a true saying and worthy of all men to be received. It's one of the comfortable words that many churches say uh, every time uh, after the confession and the absolution. This is a true saying and worthy of all men to be received that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. God sent his son into the world to die. He sent his son to be sacrificed for you and for me and for our sins, to die for us on the cross. And again, the gospel is personal. The father didn't just send the son to die for the sins of the whole world, though he did. He didn't just send the son to die for the sins of the church, though he did. The father sends the son to die for the sins of Tom, 
of Bill, of Bob. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he, in his infinite ability, his godliness, he saw your face. Think about that for just a moment. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, it was for you personally, and it was for me uh, personally. That's a lot to try to wrap your head around and your heart around. I can't quite get there, and whenever I think about it too much, I just kind of break down and cry, so I have to go do something else. But uh, yeah, God sent his son Jesus to die for you and for me uh, personally. It is uh, personal. Uh, I remember some years ago at St. John's in Florence, where I was the rector for 14 years, um, we were leaving on Maundy Thursday after our Maundy Thursday service where, uh, where the, 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 the lights go down at the end and it's the Last Supper and, and Jesus is headed to the cross. And, uh, and we always leave that service at St. John's in Florence. We would always kind of leave that service in silence for people to just kind of wrestle with, with what we had just talked about. And, and there was a parishioner there who's gone on to be with the Lord who was in his 80s there. And, and he was just crying as he was leaving Monday, Thursday. And I just reached out and kind of put my arm around him. And he put his arm around me and he goes, he goes, this is my favorite service of the year. He's just bawling. And I said, yes, sir. It's one of mine, too. He goes, this is the one that makes it personal. This is the one that makes it personal. He goes, every year, I, you know, I kind of get in the habit, like all of us, of just going through the motions of church and God's love and all this. He says, but this is where I wrestle with the fact that, that Jesus died for me. And, uh, and it, he says it just breaks my heart and fills it simultaneously. Um, this is the one that makes it personal. So anyway, that's part two. Uh, this takes us to part three. Uh, and, and this is the part where there is good news, but it is also, uh, it calls us to something. And so part three is, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, and this is important for us, and I think this is the challenge for us. It's for everyone who believes. It is not just for those who look like us. It is not just for those who think like us. It is not just for those who act like us. It is for everyone who believes in Jesus. Uh, everyone who believes, not just those we think are in. My grandmother, my father's mother, uh, was a prim, proper, and prude Presbyterian in all of the best and worst senses of that word. Um, and I like to tell people, it wasn't that she just thought she was better than everyone else. I mean, she knew it in her bones. <laughs> and there was that part of her that was firmly convinced at some level, and she loved Jesus and Jesus loved her, but there was that part of her that I'm sure when she made it to heaven, was just overwhelmingly surprised with the number and diversity of people who were there. You know what I mean? The gospel isn't just for, as uh, some of the older generations in the South say, and people in Greenville know this too, but it's uh, uh, one of the things my grandmother used to say is she referred to certain people as PLUs, which meant people like us. You know, the gospel isn't just for people like us. The gospel is for everyone who believes. Salvation is for everyone who believes. This is how it includes. Jesus is calling us to believe. And that word appears in all of our lessons uh, today. 
uh, in, in Romans. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. His works weren't counted to him as righteousness. It was the fact that he believed God. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Our, God, our job, brothers and sisters, our only job is to believe. Now, once we believe, the Holy Spirit moves us to lots of other things, but our job is to believe the truth of the gospel. Everyone who believes may not perish, but have eternal life. So friends, it is not God's desire that we perish. It is not God's desire that we be left in our sins. It's God's desire that we have life and have it abundantly. He sends his son into the world for this. Our job is simply to believe it. During the season of Lent, we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus himself. We need to keep our hearts focused on the cross, turn toward him who died for us and rose again. Look with me, if you will, for just a second at our Genesis lesson, because I think this speaks to us as Christians always. It certainly speaks to where we are with our new ministry of Camp Jubilee. And I think if we're faithful, it speaks to all of us individually and it speaks to us corporately as well. Uh, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So God calls Abram out of that which is comfortable, out of his country, out of his family, out of his father's house. With our camp ministry that was St. Christopher for 90 years, we have been called out of our country, out of our kindred, out literally of our house. And then I love this. The Lord says, go from your country to the land that I will show you. So the Lord constantly is calling us as Christians to a present going. He calls us to go to a place that he will show us in the future. So part of walking by faith is we don't know where we're going. So when people ask me, where is Camp Jubilee? Where are y'all going? This has been my answer, and I love that God made this the lesson for today. I'm like, we're going to the place that he's going to show us. And they're like, well, when's he going to show you? And I'm like, I don't know. Hopefully soon, it may be six months, it may be six years, but we're going to go until he says, that's it. Now, we're looking at places, we're exploring options, we're running camp, we're doing the things, but part of walking by faith is we don't always see the whole picture. God doesn't show us the end, and that's hard for some of us. I, like I said at the beginning, I'm a type A control freak who wants to be in charge of everything. When I was 11 years old, I wanted to know what my life was going to look like when I was 80 and wanted to know every step in between, but that's not... Uh, what walking by faith looks like. Uh, scripture tells us thy word is a, a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And part of walking with a lamp is you're never in darkness if you have the lamp with you. But part of walking with a lamp is you only get to see about the next five steps. Now, if you take those five steps, you get the next five. 
But I think a lot of us are, are nervous. We don't want to just see the next five. We want to know, okay, what's the next? What? We want to see the whole thing. Uh, but walking with Jesus rarely is like walking in stadium lighting where you get to see hundreds and hundreds of yards down the field. You just get to see what's next. Go to the land that I will show you. Friends, the Lord is always calling each and every one of us here as his followers to go to a place, to a ministry, to a situation, to a person that he will show us. The Lord is always inviting us into a deeper relationship with him. Jesus has a plan for the present and future of Camp Jubilee, our new summer camp ministry. And Jesus has a plan for the present and future of Village Church here in Greenville. And God has a plan for you personally and a plan for me personally. And brothers and sisters, God's plans for us are always better than our plans for us. And they are seldom, uh, if ever, exactly what our plans for us are. But God's plans for us are better and God has a plan for you and for me. Life in Christ is about following God to that place that God will show us. And that place, friends, is always a closer relationship with Jesus. The gospel is abundantly clear. The message is simple, and it is good news for you and for me and for all who would believe. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's desire is that we might be free from the penalty of sin, that we might be rescued through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, friends, is calling us now and always to himself. The Father sent his only Son for you and for me. It is good news. It is the truth. And we can trust it with our souls and we can believe it in our hearts our job is simply to believe jesus always does the heavy lifting in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen